So, Father, we do pray this lesson. We, we do ask that you first change our hearts, that you make us the people to be, you would radiate your presence to people, not radiate your words, but radiate your presence, that our hearts would be changed in such a way that we would truly reflect who you are and your great love for your people, all your people. Amen. You know, one of my friends who is a guy from uh, Oklahoma, actually, and uh, I think I've said this to you before, but I want to remind you, because one of the things you mentioned homosexual activities and stuff like that, and it's like the big taboo of things, and it is wrong, and I'm not saying anything it isn't. But one of the things, when you came to come to California to actually pray over the land on different things, the Lord had to go to San Francisco first, you know, and he was there ahead of time. And it's kind of perfectly that he's ahead of time. He's not quite there on time. So he actually went up on this hill to pray. And when he went up on this hill to pray, God told him he wasn't ready to go in there yet. And he says, and he tells, you know, the guy's a really clean guy, believe me. His life was laid down for Christ. And, you know, what he wish mine was so much. But he says, you don't love my people. And he pointed him towards San Francisco and I said, I love them. I love every last one of them. And that just shook me up to bit. Now I know God loves everyone, but he's, he's madly in love with every single person, no matter what, what, what you think is. He wants them to change, yeah. He wants them to love them. So if there's anything in this thing that sounds judgmental, I don't want to be part of it. I do want to be part of the part that says that we humble ourselves and that we, we cry out for our nation. Because I, I think we have the best nation in the world. I'd like it to stay that way. So I suggest that you get this sheet, and unfortunately, I printed it off, uh, which I had over here before, and you didn't, I didn't notice it when I printed them all, so it's kind of broken up. So that's the way it went. I did this morning, too early in the morning. Okay, let's get to back where we were. So we on time. Okay, where have we been? We are... We're in Romans, yeah. And we're talking about uh, Romans uh, 8 months talked about no condemnation. There's no condemnation of Christ Jesus. One of the songs we sang. There's none whatsoever. And he says that there's no condemnation. Why? Because we're not under the law. Romans develops the case that the law was there to take care of us to becoming a Christ. That was the purpose of the law. The rules and regulations was to be like a tutor for us, if you may, until uh, that time comes. You guys still got that working? Okay. Uh, that'll be fun. Galatians 3, uh, 23 through 25 says, Before the state came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed, so that the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under supervision of the law. And Romans makes the case that the law is only in effect as long as you're alive. And he uses the use of marriage. And a man and a woman are bound together by the law, until they die, when they die, they're released from that. They're no longer, no longer bound under it. Matter of fact, if a person goes and marries, they're free.
free to marry because the other person that they were connected to had died, and they're not under that law anymore. And he develops the fact in Romans that, that the law was there to keep it here, but he'd be free from the law. Now, we were free from the law by what? By the righteous work of Jesus. Jesus was without sin, and he died for our sins. And so when we identify with Christ, when we ask him into our life, we identify with his death, Romans says. And when we identify with death, we were being removed from the law. And when we, and the idea of his resurrection is life in him. And so we have ourselves standing in this place. We are no longer under the law. We are in Christ Jesus. Now, does that mean we can do anything and everything we want to do? Maybe not. He talks about a new law then, the law of the Spirit, which is that Christ lives in our heart. And because he lives in our heart now, and he reigns in our heart, now we live by our heart's rule of God in it, rather than rules and regulations. Romans went on to say that when the rules and regulations came, even though it was meant to do good for us, it actually did the opposite, because when you do not do this, you want to do it. He said that, that the commandment sees the opportunity by our fallen nature to make us desire to do what we shouldn't do. And that's why God had to take us out from that law, because that law kept on bringing us to a place of wanting to do things that we shouldn't do. But though it was not crazy to do that, it was crazy for what? What was the law for you to do? I read it. To keep us in check until Christ can take care of us. So we've come into relationship with him. He's there to keep us to know what's right and wrong, what's pleasing to God and what's not. That was the purpose of it. But it's no longer what we live under anymore. It's no longer rules and regulations. It's no longer you can't do this, you can't do that. It's now God on the throne of our life. Now God is on the throne of our life, in our heart, because that's also the promise of the Old Testament. Is that uh, that it was an ultimate shadow of what was to come. The Old Testament said there was rules, regulations, there's a sacrifice, and there's a temple, and in the temple is the presence of God. It says we're the temple now. He dwells in us. If we allow him to come in by asking him to our life, he sits on the throne of our heart. And he rules. If he rules in our life, we don't do the things commandments and all the other scriptures say not to do. Because we're, we're living to please him, and he's guiding our life. Pretty simple. Okay, we're at Romans eight sixteen. Who can read that? Eight sixteen through twenty one, or seventeen through twenty one. Where's cross off? And now we are children. My scriptural reader. The Spirit of God testifies with our spirits, and we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider, consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, 
that by the will of the one who subjected it, we hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Okay. What's the first thing he says there? Jesus' heirs, isn't it? Who are heirs? We're heirs with Christ. We're co-heirs with Christ. Have you ever had a partnership with anybody? The trouble they get you in, you're in. And the blessing you get in, you get the blessing too. Partnership is partnership. You sure in things. It's like a husband and wife is partnership in a sense. They hold things jointly. And so what the scripture is saying here very clearly is that we, because of Christ, are heirs with him. That means we're going to rule and reign with him one day. Not here on earth, not now. Maybe here on earth, but I mean, not here and now is what I'm trying to say. But we are heirs. And the heirs is the reason we're not under the law. And it's the reason we no longer live under the rules and regulations. Because we died and now we're in him and we're heirs with him. And we not only receive the inheritance of being freed from the law, but we receive the inheritance of ruling and reigning within one day. That's the promise that's ahead of us. Now this set of scripture, the next few scriptures, actually, if you really think about them and look at them, are going to be quite surprising to how God says and thinks things. It's not the common way that you and I think about things, nor the common way the church thinks about it. Okay, the second part is the part uh, that the, the church really doesn't like to tell you about. Uh, if you got saved, like most people, have told you about all the good and you know, all the good things you've got, and all the grace, and everything was perfect, and you're going to be taking care of you, and you're going to have a problem in your life. You lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. You know, I wish it was that way. The Southern California message is that you can have a little bit of God, and everything's going to be great in your life. That's the Southern California problem, the U.S. message nowadays, since we're the influence of the world. That's probably, that's probably the case. But it's not the case in the scriptures. He talks about suffering. But the idea of suffering is not just for suffering. Suffering is the idea of being trained. And it has the word in, in, in the Greek here of being changed and trained. And the idea that it's a tutor to you. But in fact, it's just about Jesus who says he learned obedience through suffering on the cross. It's the life type of He learned obedience through that. We learn obedience to him. And we learn to be changed by the suffering we go through. I don't like that idea, but that's, that's the truth. I mean, if you look at, uh, if I would pull up, I'm good, but I'll read to you instead. Uh, Luke, uh, 9.22-25. If anyone would come after me, this is Jesus speaking, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So, daily, the cross. What's the idea of the cross? Death. Okay. You've got to take up the death to your old self, your own nature, your own ways, your own desires, your own choices, and go with them. Do we come to the law? Every time we decide to make our choices and live by it, yeah, we do. Every time we turn to Christ, we're in Him. We don't come under the law anymore. We come under a different law. The law of the Spirit. that causes us to change. So, the suffering we have, picking up the cross that it's talking about, is what? Dying to oneself. It says it's not worth comparing to the glory. What are the things about suffering? What do you think of when you think about suffering? 
Now, some people say sickness. You can learn through that. Is God doing that to you? I don't think so. I there's something that hurt you or that was very devastating or maybe very intense, but he says that we're to love or to forgive or to, you know, and that to me is the suffering because he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive him because I don't know what they do, yet they beat him, they killed him where he's dripping blood and dying, and yet in that state he's saying, forgive them, and I'm thinking, you know, to me that's the suffering because he's saying, I feel like he's saying, forgive them, and to me it's Nothing compares to And also in that very scene, it's the cross itself, of course, and the idea is, it's not my will, it's yours, it goes along with that. It's not what you've done wrong to me. You know, uh, I, people don't have rights. That's a part of being dead. You don't have rights anymore. You don't have any, uh, when somebody offends you, you can't offend a dead person, is the idea that we forgot how to get offended pretty easily. But we're not supposed to be offended so easily. Uh, if you find happens in the church a lot of times, you usually find pastors and leaders and stuff sending the heck out of people. Not God's will. God will use it to change people. Some get mad and leave the church. Some people can grow. Because of the grow. I'll give you the best example of that. The best, highest crucible I know is marriage. It really is. It's the hardest place. I mean, you want to step on your feet to get married. Just step on your toes, step on your toes, and, you know, you go do the same to them, obviously. I mean, it's both ways. And most people say, ah, I'm out of here. You know, it doesn't go, doesn't weigh. Not a very dead person. You know, they aren't thinking that God causes me. I believe he has those relationships for the purpose of changing us. Moses said he was given the right to divorce because of what? Because the hardness of heart. That means you're on the throne. Your heart, yourself's on the throne. You're doing the same. The hardness of heart. But that's not the way it's meant to be. meant to be. It's supposed to be changed by those things. Changed by those relationships that offend us. Either your, either your mate, your friends, or your pastor, or your whatever it is. But people are going to think, I, I'm really going to come to you. I'm very strong, and I, I don't, I'm not pushing as far as a leader. I don't believe. I don't believe a leader's job is to be over people. I believe the leader's job is to come under and help them become who they're called to be. But I am strong. I will step on your toes. Sorry. Don't mean to. Don't want to. Sorry. But I will. And God will use that. Because he worked a few scriptures later, so he makes all things for the good. Now, it doesn't say he makes everything happen so you can do this. It says in all things he works for the good. And that's a real close, and people argue that over the years, but I've looked at it really long. I don't think he makes anything happen. I've seen people have their children die, and it works for good in their life. Do you think God wanted to do that to the kids? Absolutely not. He's an enemy. He impresses people. He kills people. What reign and rule he has, I don't fully understand it. I do know that he's called the Lord of this earth right now. Until the very end, when we're turning over, and he's cast down to hell and he's there forever. But right now he has power. And so the things that happen to you, you have to keep them and allow God to change you. So you'll have a choice to get mad or glad, as you say. You'll have a choice to, to make yourself grow and become more like him. Or you have a choice to get mad and go away and just do what the world does. Do you do both? Every one of us does. I do too. Sometimes my, my wife a couple times, yesterday, once this morning, 
I'm not even counting, though. I'm just thinking right off the top of my head, you know. <laughs> and my wife's a good wife. She's a great lady. Uh, it says also, uh, there's actually a couple of Mark and Luke, another one. It says, do you want to come back? Okay, Mark version of the same thing. Okay, First uh, Corinthians 1, 18 through 19. The message of the cross is foolishness, foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. It is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the, uh, intel, uh, intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate the intelligence of their intelligence looks like that in Scripture twice, sir. Because the world's ways and God's ways are different things. He doesn't work in the same way. Never has, never will. Which is right? This way. But we do try to conform God in our image, don't we? We think He should work this way, He should do things this way, and I, why didn't He guys do this? You have to come to this fundamental understanding. He's God, and you're not. And if He does something, and you don't think it's right, it's A, your heart is corrupted, or B, you don't understand. It's not C, that you did it wrong. Because he's God. He has the right to do anything he wants. I can do scriptures that really bug me. Like uh, the, uh, with Pharaoh, he said he hardened his heart. Hardened his heart. And then it says, really, that he really went to hell. <laughs> I don't know if you gave him a chance later. Why did he harden his heart? And if he hardened, how does he hold him responsible for it? I don't know. I have some ideas. I could give you the argument on either way of them, on either side of it. But I don't know. These gods are not. That's what we call faith and trust in Him. And that's what we're called to do. So, the suffering happens a lot of times. From being wronged, all these things, the purpose is to bring you off the throne of your life and God on. We went through Galatians 5, quite a few different weeks, and one. Uh, having God in your life and He's on the throne and it's righteous love, peace, joy, and suffering, all that. And the other one, all these different sins, is you on the throne. The ultimate rule happens when you on the throne is sin. And if you do really, really good and don't sin in the way most people think of sin, then you get really proud and you sin there. You can't help it. You're going to miss. If you go by what you do, you're going to miss. As it says in Scripture, one sin is enough to cause your death. That's, that's all it takes. So if you're under the law and you're looking at rules and you're measuring yourself and everyone else for how well you do, you've already failed. If you measure yourself by I'm in Christ and everything's forgiven, whether I have one, fifteen, twenty, three trillion sins, another person has thirty-one trillion sins. Doesn't matter. It's a waste of your time. Matter of fact, the Scripture says if you actually weigh like that, you're going to measure it that way. And the measurement is either under the law or under grace. If you measure people under the law, it doesn't matter. If you see or how many sins, it's under the law and you're under the law. If you're going to grace, you're under grace. So it's God is the judge, not you, not me. Now, do we talk to people about when they're doing wrong and help them? Better, better our believers? You bet. Because we're here to help them grow. But we're not here to tell our neighbors that they're doing it wrong. We're here to love our neighbors. We're here to show them Christ. And we're here to be a witness to who he is. So he says our present suffering uh, is nothing compared to glory. What kind of glory is it? You know, we have suffering that, you know, you may have immediate suffering immediately goes through the sickness. And maybe all these different types of things that the enemy may have brought on and you're under and you have to go through the suffering because you can't keep. 
It's one thing to understand about stuff. You can't change it. So you either learn from it and grow from it and be blessed by it or get mad and be cursed by it. Well, this you. You're not control, so be smart. Be the wise one. But the glory. What about your glory? He says we're going to reign with him. Well, you imagine how much glory that is to reign with him for forever and ever and ever. Compared to a, what you know, maybe hundred years. I'm hoping for 120, but, you know, whatever. It's a very short time compared to forever. It's compared to being in his presence. Every one of you, I think, here has a question sometimes, in one way or another, some more than others. Nothing like his presence. There's no drug, no drink, there's no, there's no relationship, no anything that can compare to that. How about that for eternity? All time. I would see some hours today since there's no time in heaven. Permanently. Permanent state. So when that says they can't compare what you suffer right now compared to glory, he really means that. What you're going to get is going to be so much greater than what it costs you now. Are we to live and be those people, oh, I just want to go to heaven? No. You're not supposed to live like that. We're supposed to live as if every day is a day before the Lord, and every day we make a difference in someone's life. That's how we're supposed to live. So, no, I've got to be taken away from my problems. No. Grow through them. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of the suffering. That's the purpose of the suffering. Grow through them and be changed and come into the likeness of Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to be wimps. Now, you guys have been around here for a while. You know, I, I, I believe we're an army. And I believe we're an army that... Uh, that it plans on keeping this city, this land, and I don't care how big we are, how small we are. We have all kinds of evidence in the Old Testament of God sending all these people away to prove how great He is and how little He really needs our help. All we have to do is say yes to Him, and that's all we need. You know, so He's you know, He's not impressed with the big numbers. He wants to know things. So we will make a difference. Any group of people. They will listen to God and do what he says to do. He will use. And if you say, no, no, matter if you've got a 50,000 church saying, yeah, people will come there, they'll pat you on the back, and they'll feel, feel really good, but they won't get anywhere. So we have glory ahead of us. And that glory is wonderful. And that's for later. But yet, can we have some of it now? Is it all suffering? I hope not. Sometimes it feels like it. Sometimes it's in a hard time to get through them. But no, it's not all. The kingdom is a thing that's healing to come. So in other words, we partake by his presence of him now. And heaven now. And to come. We don't live in this full time, but then we can figure out how to do that. We are taking on. We won't. But we do have the uh, opportunity to participate in him. We have the opportunity to participate in the glory and the reign of Him and the joy of Him and the knowings from Him. We get things perfectly as we press into His presence. We need to hear things from Him. We grow in Him. We have to. There's now and yet to come. But we can have a lot of the stuff of this world right now. I want to close earlier and go long. It's up to you guys. What? Well, this is an hour going on to creation ways. 
I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give a chance for people to get prayer and close earlier because the bells are ringing and both people want to go to the beach, I'm sure. But I'd like to take a look at uh, starting uh, with, uh, actually it's somewhere on that thing, where it, uh, it says creation waits. Hang on, let me notice a little bit. It says creation waits. An eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The subject of frustration by God, was creation, in hope, creation itself will be liberated from the bondage of decay, brought to a glorious freedom of children of God. Have you thought of creation as a living thing? How would no plants grow? I don't know if you think about sand, water, all the other things. The scriptures are very clear on this thing. You don't have to look at it very much. The creation is alive. In fact, you remember the scriptures that says, you know, that if you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. You know, we had a physicist here, a world-famous physicist who came and spoke to us and talked about, yeah, rocks will cry out because anything that's ever been spoken is recorded in there because matter has memory. All matter has memory, period. And he actually proved it. He's the one that developed the first laser disc type of thing. Because matter has memory. Yeah, they'll cry out, but how are they recording that? And is it alive? Well, the scripture here talks about the creation waits and groans for the sons of God to, to be revealed. What it's saying is that all creation, those trees out there, the plants, all the stuff, are waiting for you to show up and be who you're called to be. It says a lot of things. It says something about the spiritual thing of a plant. It says something about the thinking process of a plant. It says metaphors. I don't think so. Can you talk to the First Nations person? Hey! <laughs> yeah, I remember what you did. Guys, I'm not around. I never, yeah. I don't know. It's no big deal. You heard it. Put um, the scripture up that we actually read, though. That might be nice. We're going to do it. Just keep down there. Uh, it was. There was Romans 16 uh, uh, through what 22 or something like that. The first one starts off from probably about the third or fourth side of that or something like that. Fasten, <laughs> come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, so creation works. An eager expectation for sons of God to be revealed. It's frustrated by God, it says here. But it waits in hope. Along with us. It says, I love this line. Uh, Christian self be liberated, brought into by the glorious freedom of the children of God. I don't know what that fully means, but it seems to talk about there's a freedom coming for it. And that, that that together with us is going to receive it. And I know the scriptures later talk about that this world be regenerated. I just ask you to ponder that. Now, 
First Nations people listen to trees. I think that's nuts. I don't. They actually believe that the Susquehanna. Well, there is, there is heresy that talks about inanimate objects and having spirits and stuff like that. That's wrong. But there is something else, and you can always look at it. There's something in, in, in the new age of the side of things that's when you pretty much figure that on the other side there is a truth to it. Because the counterfeit does not counterfeit something that there isn't a a reality too. The New Age is the counterfeit of the reality of God. And if you've been around here long, you know about what I think about the New Age people. They most of them have been hurt by the church, and that's why they're there. You know, they have a meaning to God, they have a heart for God, and they were made to know and follow Him. We don't like ministering to those people. They have an openness. But they have error. They have error too. We have to figure out what it is as we go on. But the truth is that, that the earth and creation has an inheritance, and we're going to partake with us. What that means would make me ask questions about it. You know what I would suggest that you do as you go out? Start asking God about it and learn to hear God in what's happening around you. Now, if you want to know how most of the prophetic guys talk, that's exactly what they do. The things that you and I have kind of ignored that happen, what you think, oh, that's just chance, or that just happened. Just pay attention to. Just pay attention to the, the software that they have to come into, you know. And then we forget to speak on that. And, and, and they just listen to what happens in nature and begin to hear God through it. You become sensitive to the things of the Spirit of God. Because God speaks through everything. Now, if it's true... That God speaks everything to being, so it all comes from Him. He speaks everything to being. And it says that also on the seventh day of rest, everything was kept in place by it. It's a live, living being created by our Creator. That live creation that is in place, God, God speaks to us through. And He says that. That together with us, we're going to receive something. How would that make our responsibility? There's a scripture, and I tried to find this morning, I can't find it. In the, in the scriptures, it talks about being judged for destroying the earth. That's what we're going to get in trouble for. We have a responsibility to the earth and to nature and, and around that God gave us. Remember, the, remember in Genesis, what was there to do? There was ten in the garden. There was a ten to care for, take care of, uh, uh, That's what we're called to do, too. So I, I just want to leave you with that, that we have a responsibility not to destroy. I'm not in favor of cat. It's law, by the way. But we have a responsibility to take care of what we've been given. Because we are going to be errors with it. It's coming, it's coming too. That's what that scripture says. I don't know fully what that means. I don't think he's going to have the same blessing as we are. Because we're, we're sons who heirs with Christ. But this going to have an inheritance. And if it has an inheritance, it means it belongs to someone else. And we have parables that tell us about that in the New Testament. And we have a responsibility to take care of that and listen. 
and learn to hear and learn to believe that everything else is not always how we can understand. So, Father, I ask that you would uh, uh, take the truth and sow it so deep in the hearts that the enemy can't steal it. Again, I ask that, that, that people have walked out of here with a new understanding of you, a new understanding and a new presence of you in their heart today. I ask that you would uh, give us a heart for your people and your creation, that we would be stewards of what you've made. Father, I further ask that we would be a representation of the good of you, not the evil of us. That we can proclaim in our actions and our love for one another the goodness of Christ, the goodness of the Father, the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, we thank you, Lord, that you've loved us enough to come and, and fill our hearts. So bless the people here today. Bless them as they go out. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Now, if you want prayer, I'd like you to come forward. Uh, anything hits you there that, that you'd like prayer for, uh, come forward. We had it for a while. We're going to get back to the words. So uh, bless you guys and have a good time. Come forward if you're sick or uh, need some prayer for anything, uh, blessing for anything. Come forward and we'll pray for you.